for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey guys, welcome back to Morbid Curiosity. I am so excited to bring you today's episode. We are going to be covering the Long Island serial killer. Yes, all over the news, currently in trial, captured, arrested, charged. No unsolved case here. I'm talking about the Gilligo Beach trial. We're about to dive into this rabbit hole that had taken over my life for approximately two to three hours. <laughs> um, we're going to dive into this case together. Um, a little bit of update. You probably have noticed the name has changed. So no longer Nicole, it is Haley. Yes, that is my name name. Um, Nicole is also my name, but Haley is the first name. So that's what we're going to go by. Also, the logo has been updated. I worked tirelessly the other night trying to figure out an idea. It is handcrafted and made and thought up by myself. So hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you like the new logo. I wanted something a little bit more fresh and modern. Um, that's kind of what I was going for. As far as Instagram goes, I've noticed we only have about 190 something to 200 followers. Um, I've worked really hard on the collages of crime scene photos and everything that go into that Instagram. So if you have not joined yet, please do so. If not, I am thinking about turning the group private and uh, posting censored crime scene photos. Um, the website is still, you know, being constructed at this time. So I don't really have another way to post crime scene photos, you know, for those who want to see it. So I do believe Facebook allows me to censor the photos. So if you do not want to see it, you don't have to unless you click it. Um, other than that, we'll get started with this case and I hope you enjoy and I will see you next time. Also, I would like to take the time to just do a PSA that there is no hate to the victims whatsoever with their job titles, previous crimes, and or previous drug use. We respect all victims and this is their case. bit about Gilgo Beach. It's one of the town's three ocean beaches on the Atlantic Ocean. The facility is open to residents and non-residents throughout the summer season. They have food services provided by Gilgo Beach Inn and if you have any questions or concerns or if you're wanting to visit you can contact Gilgo Beach Inn and ask them directly or visit their websites. Now, preseason hours begin Memorial Day weekend and go through late June. During the preseason, the beach is only open with lifeguards who are on duty during the weekends and holidays. Summer season hours begin in late June and go through Labor Day weekend. And during the summer season, the beach is open daily with lifeguards on duty on weekends, through the weekdays, and on holidays. 
The Gilbo Beach serial killings were a series of killings between 1996 and 2011 in which the remains of 11 people were found in Gilgo Beach, located in South Shore of Long Island, New York. Most known victims were sex workers who advertised on Craigslist or Backpage. The perpetrator in the case is known as the Long Island Serial Killer, or I like to call Lisk, L-I-S-K. The victim's remains were found over a period of months in 2010 and 2011. The first discovery of human remains was made by the side of the Ocean Parkway in Oak Beach on December the 11th, 2010. The investigation was prompted by the search for Shannon Gilbert, a 24-year-old woman who had disappeared in the area in May that year after fleeing from a client's home and making a approximate 23-minute long phone call to 911 saying they're trying to kill me. Now, a month after her disappearance, the Suffolk County Police Department's Missing Bureau of Investigation asked Officer John Malia to search for her with his trained cadaver dog named Blue, who was a German Shepherd, just FYI. Now, they did that over the course of the summer in 2010, and he was unsuccessful in his search, and unfortunately, she was not found at that time. The officer made another attempt. Maybe he should try something new. So he based his search choice off of an FBI data indicating that dumped bodies are more frequently found close to roadways. Now, despite the thick vegetation and a light layer of snow, his cadaver dog, Blue, alerted to a scent which the pair tracked to a skeleton in a disintegrating burlap bag. The remains were later identified as Melissa Bartholomew. Police discovered three additional bodies while searching the area for further evidence, and the other Vicks found among her were Maureen Brainerd, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello, and they were all found approximately 500 feet from each other. In March 2011, partial remains of Jessica Taylor were found along Ocean Parkway. Eight years later, in 2003, other parts of her remains had been found in Manorville, a town in Suffolk County. The next month, in April 2011, police discovered three additional sets of remains, an unidentified female toddler, an unidentified Asian male, and Valerie Mack partial remains of whom, like those of Jessica Taylor, had been found in Manorville years earlier in November 2000. Two more bodies were found in Nassau County. Karen Brigada, whose partial remains had previously been found on Fire Island in 96, and an identified woman with a distinctive tattoo of peaches on her breast, who was later found to be the mother of the unidentified toddler found in Suffolk County. On May 9, 2011, police speculated that because of similarities in the cases, Valerie Mack, who at the time was unidentified, and Jessica Taylor may have been murdered by a second or separate killer. On November 29, 2011, police announced that they believe one person was responsible for all 10 murders and that the perpetrator is almost certainly from Long Island. The single killer theory stems from common characteristics between the conditions of the remains and forensic evidence found with the bodies. In June 2011, Suffolk County Police announced a $25,000 reward for info leading to the arrest of the perpetrator. Shannon Gilbert's remains were located in Oak Beach in December 2011. 
19 months after her disappearance. The cause of her death is contested. Now, later the FBI got involved. On December 10, 2015, Suffolk County Police Commissioner Tim Sinney announced that the FBI had officially joined the investigation. The announcement came one day after former police chief James Burke was indicted for civil rights violations and conspiracy. James, who resigned from the department in October 2015, was reported to have blocked FBI involvement in the Gilligo Beach cases for years. The FBI had previously assisted in the search for the victims, but had never officially been part of the investigation. In November 2016, James was sentenced to 46 months in federal prison for assault and conspiracy. On January 16, 2020, Suffolk County Police Commissioner Geraldine Hart released images of a belt found at the crime scene with the letters HM or WH, depending on the orientation of the belt. It was embossed in black leather. The belt had been found during the initial investigation near Ocean Parkway in Gilgo Beach. Police believed that the belt was handled by the perpetrator and that it had not belonged to any of the victims. The police revealed few details about the belt's evidentiary value and would not comment on exactly where it was found. It was also announced that the new scientific evidence was being used in the investigation and that they had launched gilgonews.com, a website enabling the department to share news and receive tips regarding this investigation. In June 2019, a proposal was made to use genetic genealogy to identify the unidentified victims and possibly the killer at the Gilligo Beach case. On May 28, 2020, Jane Doe No. 6 was identified as Valerie Mack, who also went by the name of Melissa Taylor. On August 4, 2023, Jane Doe No. 7 was revealed to be Karen Brigada, whose identity had been established during 2022. On September 12, 2017, Suffolk County Prosecutor Robert Biancavilla said that John Bitroloff, a Suffolk County resident convicted of murdering two sex workers and suspected in the murder of the third, may have committed some of the murders. Biancavilla said that John was likely responsible for the deaths of other women and that there were similarities between the Gilgo Beach murders and his own for which he was convicted in May 2017 and sentenced in September. He was arrested in 2014 after his DNA was found on the bodies of two murder victims, Rita Tangridi and Colleen McAname, whose bodies were found in 1993 and 1994, respectively. The match had been made through DNA submitted by his brother, who was convicted in 2013 on an unrelated case. John was then convicted in May 2017 of these murders and in September sentenced to the consecutive term of 25 years for each murder. The Suffolk County Police did not comment on the prosecutor's statement due to the active homicide investigation of the Gilgo Beach murders. His attorney rejected the prosecutor's assertion. John lived in Maynardville, 30 miles from where the torsos of Gilgo Beach victims Jessica Taylor and Valerie Mack were recovered. He was a hunter who was said to enjoy killing animals, also somehow a carpenter by trade with access to hacksaws and electric saws. Because many of the bottoms were found precisely dismembered, his access to and proficiency of these tools is of note. <laughs> 
and the adult daughter of Rita Trangridi, who was murdered by him, was also the best friend of Melissa Bathelemy, one of the Gilgo Beach victims. Melissa's mother said that her daughter, quote, had a lot of calls to Maynardville from her phone before her death. So the victims that were found so far, Shannon Gilbert, on December 13, 2011, police announced that the remains of Shannon Gilbert had been found in a marsh about half a mile where she disappeared from. A week earlier, some of her clothing and belongings had been discovered in the same vicinity. She was last seen banging on the residence door and screaming for help before running off into the night. She made a approximately 20 plus minute phone call to 911 that night saying that she feared for her life like I stated earlier. Police have stated that the death of Shannon, a woman whose disappearance triggered the search during which the first set of bodies were found, is unrelated to the Long Island Killer case. Her now-deceased mother, Mary Gilbert, advocated for the theory that her daughter did indeed get murdered by the same serial killer. A crazy fact that happened with Shannon Gilbert's family, in 2016, her sister, Sarah Gilbert, was indicted on a guilty verdict in New York murder trial of their own mother, Mari Gilbert, who was 52 at the time, where she stabbed her over 200 times and bashed her head in with a fire extinguisher. And it was all in the mother's Catskills home in July that year. Now, Sarah faces 25 years to life in prison when she sentenced in August of 2017. That was last updated April 27, 2017, so she's probably already serving her term by now. The next on the list is Maureen of Norwich, and her full name is Maureen Brainerd Barnes. She was from Connecticut and was 25 when she disappeared. She was last seen on July 9, 2007, saying that she planned to spend the day in New York City. She was never seen again. She, who was a mother of two, worked as a sex worker via Craigslist to pay for the mortgage on her house. She had been out of the sex industry for seven months, but she returned to work in order to pay her bills after receiving an eviction notice. Her body was found December 2010. Shortly after her disappearance, a friend of hers named Sarah Carnes received a phone call from a man on an unfamiliar number. The man claimed that he had just seen Maureen and that she was alive and staying at a, quote, whorehouse in Queens. He refused to identify himself and could not tell her the location of the house. He told her he would call her back and give her the address, but, of course, he never called again. She said that the man had no discernible New York or Boston accent. At the time of her disappearance, she was working at Super 8 Motel in Manhattan. On the night of July 9, 2007, she called a friend in Connecticut and told her that she was planning on meeting a client outside of the motel. Like many of the victims, she was very petite. She was only 4 foot 11 and 105 pounds. Next is Melissa Bartholomew. Melissa, who was 24 of Erie County, New York, went missing on July 12, 2009. She had been living in the Bronx in New York and working as a sex worker through Craigslist. On the night she went missing, she met with a client, deposited $900 in her bank account, and attempted to call an old boyfriend, but did not get through. Beginning one week later and lasting for five weeks, her teenage sister Amanda received a series of vulgar, mocking, and insulting calls from a man who may have been the killer using Melissa's cell 
telephone. The caller asked if Amanda, quote, was a whore like her sister. The calls eventually became increasingly disturbing and eventually culminated in the caller telling Amanda that her sister was dead and that he was going to, quote, watch her rot. Police traced some of the calls to Madison Square Garden, Midtown Manhattan, and Mesapeque, but were unable to determine who was making them. Melissa, like the other victims, was only 4 foot 10 and 95 pounds. Then we have Megan Waterman. Megan, who was 22 of South Portland, Maine, went missing on June 6, 2010 after placing advertisements on Craigslist as an escort. The previous day, she had told her 20-year-old boyfriend that she was going out and would call him later. At the time of her disappearance, she was staying at a motel in Hawkeye, New York. 15 miles southeast of Gilgo Beach. Her body was recovered in December 2010. She was a mother of one and had become a victim of sex trafficking. She was only 5 foot 5 and her weight is unknown. We have Amber Lynn Costello. Amber 27 of West Babylon, New York, a small town 10 miles north of Gilgo Beach, was a sex worker and heroin user who went missing on September 2, 2010. That night, she reportedly met with a stranger who had called her several times and offered $1,500 for her services. Born in Charlotte and raised in Wilmington, North Carolina, she was living in West Babylon, New York when she disappeared. Her family believed that she was in a residential drug rehab center, and so she was not immediately reported missing when she stopped responding to messages and phone calls. Prior to moving to West Babylon, she had been living with her second husband in Clearwater, Florida, and was working as a waitress. A strong student, her drug addiction began when she was a teenager. She had been sexually assaulted by a neighbor just when she was only six years old. She was also four foot 11 and weighed approximately 100 pounds. Our next victim is Valerie Mack, aka Melissa Taylor, or Maynardville Jane Doe, or used to be Jane Doe number six. Valerie Mack was 24 and was living in Philadelphia and working as an escort when she went missing in 2000. Like many of the victims, she was small in stature, about five foot, and weighing 100 pounds. Her partial remains were discovered in Maynardville on November 19, 2000, but were not identified until 2020, just 20 years later. Her torso was found wrapped in garbage bags and dumped in the woods near the intersection of Hazley Manor Road and Mill Road, adjacent to a set of power lines and a nearby power line access road. A head, right foot, and hands found on April 4, 2011 were at first determined to have belonged to an unidentified victim dubbed Jane Doe No. 6 aka our victim. It was later found determined that they belonged to the same woman whose torso had been found in 2000. Her right foot had been cut off high above the ankle, possibly to conceal an identifying mark or tattoo. On May 28, 2020, police announced that the remains had been identified as Valerie Mack, who had last been seen by family members in the spring and or summer of 2000 in the area of Port Republic, New Jersey. The dismembered remains of Valerie Mack and Jessica Taylor were both disposed of in a similar manner and in the same part of Maynardville, suggesting a link. Next up, Jessica Taylor. She was 20 years old, living in Manhattan when she went missing on July 21, 2003. On July 26, 2003, her naked and dismembered torso, missing its head and hands, were discovered 45 miles east of Gilgo Beach in Manorville, New York. Her remains were identified by DNA analysis later that year. Her torso was found on top of a pile of scrap wood at the end of the paved access road off Hosley Manor Road, just north of where it crosses the Long Island Expressway. Plastic sheeting was found underneath the torso 
torso and a tattoo on her body had been manipulated with a sharp instrument. Further remains found on March 29, 2011 matched to her as well, including a skull, a pair of hands, and a forearm. She had worked in Washington, D.C. and Manhattan as a sex worker. She was last seen working around the Port Authority bus terminal in Manhattan between July 18th and 22nd of 2003. Karen Vergata aka Fire Island Jane Doe or Jane Doe number seven. Karen Vergata, a 34-year-old woman from Manhattan, was believed to have been working as a sex worker when she disappeared in 96. Unidentified for 27 years, she was variously known as Jane Doe number seven and Fire Island Jane Doe until she was publicly identified by Suffolk County District Attorney Ray Tyranny in August 2023. Guys, she just got her name back this year. She had been identified in 2022 through genetic genealogy. Her severed legs were found in a garage bag on Fire Island on April 20th, 96. 15 years later, on April 11, 2011, her skull and several of her teeth were recovered at Tobey Beach, the second set of remains to be discovered in Isaac County that day. Her remains were linked through DNA testing to the remains found on Fire Island in 1996. Now, as far as our unidentified identified victims, and I mean unidentified to this day, there are three. Peaches, Baby Doe, and Asian Male. Now, they did link Peaches and Baby Doe together as mother and daughter. Peaches, or aka Jane Doe, number three, on June 28th of 97, the dismembered torso of an unidentified young African-American woman was found at Hempstead Lake State Park in the town of Lakeview, New York. The torso was found in a green plastic Rubbermaid container, which was dumped next to a road along the west side of the lake. Investigators reported that the victim had a tattoo on the left breast of a heart-shaped peach with a bite taken out of it and two drips falling from its core. On April 11, 2011, police in Nassau County discovered dismember skeletal human remains inside a plastic bag near Jones Beach State Park. The victim was dubbed Jane Doe number three. In December 2016, peaches, or Jane Doe number three, were positively identified through DNA testing as being the same person belonging to Baby Doe. She was her mother and she was found wearing gold jewelry similar to that of her daughter. Baby Doe, a third set of remains, the skeletal remains of a female toddler between 16 and 24 months of age, or by another account, one to four years of age, was found on April 4, 2011, about 250 feet away from the partial remains of Valerie Mack. The body was wrapped in a blanket and showed no signs of trauma. DNA tests determined that the child's mother was, like I said, Jane Doe number three, whose body was found 10 miles east near Jones Beach State Park. The toddler was wearing gold earrings and a gold necklace, just like her mother. The other unidentified victim was of a young Asian male who had died from blunt force trauma who was discovered April 4, 2011 at Gilgo Beach, very close to where the first four sets of remains had been discovered in December 2010. The victim was found wearing women's clothing and may have possibly been a transgendered woman. That is unknown, don't quote me. Now, the victim was between 17 and 23 years of age. They were 5'6" missing four teeth, and may have had a musculoskeletal disorder, which could affect gain. 
The victim had been dead between 5 to 10 years. In September 2011, police released a male composite sketch of the victim. Now, of course, this man probably has way more victims than we want to even acknowledge and what they were able to get him with when he was arrested. Some possible victims we're going to go over, starting with Tina Foglia. She was 19 and she went missing and was last seen alive around the early morning hours of February 1st, 1982 at the Hammerheads Rock Music Venue on Sunrise Highway. She had hitchhiked from her home to the venue to see a friend performing with a Queens-based band called Equinox. Her remains were discovered by Department of Transportation workers on February 3rd on a shoulder of the Sagticos State Parkway in Suffolk County. Her dismembered body, which had been placed in three separate plastic garbage bags, was found a few miles north of the Robert Moses Causeway, which leads to Gilgo Beach and Oak Beach. A diamond ring that she was known to wear was missing and the DNA of an unknown male was found on the garbage bags. Police have not ruled out the possibility that she was an early victim of the Long Island serial killer, but have stated that a connection is, quote, not an active avenue of investigation. The next possible victim is Jacqueline Ashley Smith, who was 16 and was last seen in Brooklyn, New York on August 7th and 99. She had left her home at 9 p.m. to visit some friends and never came back. She was reported missing on August 12th and 99, and on June 20th, 2000, an unidentified female torso was recovered near Beach 88th Street in Rockaway Beach, Queens. The torso was found in plastic bags and wrapped with tape. No other body parts were recovered. The victim was later identified as Jacqueline. Two years later, the torso of another victim, Andre Isaac, was also recovered in Rockaway, not far from where Jacqueline was found. Which brings us to Andre Jamal Isaac. He was a professional drag queen known by his stage name Sugar Bear. He was 25 years old, 6 foot 5, and disappeared from East New York in November 2002. According to a friend, he was last seen shortly before Thanksgiving getting into a car with a, quote, secret friend. The vehicle was described as a red BMW type coupe driven by a Hispanic man. His torso was found close to the Boardwalk Beach on 63th Street in Arvin, Queens on December 17, 2002. On January 25, 2003, his head was discovered by ice skaters in East Mill Pond in Mariches, New York in Suffolk County with a single bullet wound to a temple. His arms and legs were later found several miles away in plastic bags. His case was added to the Suffolk County Police Department Gilgo News website on May 29, 2020. Bringing us to our next unfortunate victim, Jamie Diane Seymour. She was 21 years old and had a nasty drug habit, unfortunately, and was last heard from in Brink, New Jersey on July 22, 2005. She called her father on July 22, to let him know she needed a ride home from the Port Authority. She used someone else's cell phone at the Manhattan Port Authority to call her mother later that day. She has not been seen or heard from since. After the final phone call to her mother, when two weeks passed and no one heard from her, the family became worried. On August 8th, her father reported her missing to police. She spent time prior to her disappearance in New York City and had a criminal record. There may have been a few leads in her case and her family believes that she met with foul play. Now, please 
have never indicated any connection between her disappearance and the Long Island serial killer, although she was a young woman with a small frame like the other victims, and she vanished in July, similar to victims Melissa and Maureen and Jessica. Now, she was also last seen at the same place as Jessica Taylor, which was the Port Authority bus station in Midtown. Next is Tanya Rush. On June 23, 2008, Tanya Rush, who was 39, was last seen around 3 a.m. walking towards a subway station in Brooklyn. Her dismembered body was found by a state road cleaning crew inside a black canvas suitcase on June 27, 2008, in plain sight on the Newbridge Road ramp leading to the westbound Southern State Parkway in Belmore, New York. She was a mother of three who had been a Salvation Army volunteer and had a work in telemarketing. She took up sex work to support a drug addiction. She was African American and lived in the Van Dyke Houses, a Brownsville public housing complex in Brooklyn, New York. She's never been confirmed as a victim of the Long Island serial killer. These are just theoretical um, possible extra victims if you haven't caught on by now. The next one is Natasha Jugo, who was 31 and last seen leaving her Queens Village, New York home on March 16, 2013 at 4.30 a.m. The following day, her wallet, identification, some clothing, they were all discovered abandoned along Ocean Parkway close to Gilgo Beach. Her 2009 Toyota Prius was also found abandoned near the beach with footprints in the sand leading towards the water. Her body was eventually discovered floating in the water by beachgoers at 9.30 p.m. on June 24, 2013. Her body was the 11th human body to be found at Gilgo Beach since December 2010. Her body showed no obvious signs of trauma and, again, not a confirmed victim. The next one would be Patricia Viola, who was a 42-year-old woman and a mother of two children from Bogota, New Jersey, described as a 5'2 brunette who vanished on February 13, 2001, and her partial remains were found from Rockaway Beach, Queens in July 2002. Her body wasn't identified until 2012. The New Jersey's Patricia Law, which bars police from refusing to accept missing person reports and requires them to notify a missing person's family of support services, is named after Patricia Viola. Some others that may be unidentified and a possible victim would be Cherries or the unidentified woman from Mamaroneck. Now, on March 3rd, 2007, a suitcase containing the dismembered torso of an unidentified Hispanic or light-skinned African-American woman washed up on a beach at Harbor Island Park in the town of Mamaroneck. The victim had a tattoo of two cherries on her left breast similar in appearance to the tattoo found on peaches. She was determined to have been stabbed to death. Never identified, the victim is referred to as cherries by investigators. One of her dismembered legs washed up at Cold Spring Harbor on March 21, 2007, and the other at Oyster Bay in the village of Coveneck the following day. Cherries was dismembered in a fashion similar to three other victims, being Jessica, Valerie, and Peaches, meaning she may be linked to the other official victims. We're almost there, guys. I promise. 
I know it's been a long one, but I promised you a good long case. And since we got some updates, I wanted to cover this. So just bear with me. We're almost, almost done. So the other unidentified woman from Laddingtown, she was found January 23rd, 2013. There was a woman who was walking her dog and she found human remains in a small patch of brush in a sandy area along the shore at the end of Sheep Lane in Laddingtown near Oyster Bay. The skeletal remains showed signs of trauma and were wrapped in a particular style of material that police have not disclosed. The remains are believed to be those of a woman between the ages of 20 and 30 who was possibly Asian. She was wearing a 22 karat solid gold pig pendant, which may be related to the Chinese zodiac year of the pig. The relevant birth years are 1971, 1983, and 1995, possibly suggesting that the woman died around the age of 29. Investigators believe that her body had been dumped before Hurricane Sandy in late 2012, and her case may be connected to the other 10 bodies found 32 miles away in Gilligo Beach. Though, unlike like the other victims, her body was buried rather than left above ground. So now let's get into the culprit. Rex Hureman was born in New York City on February 12th, 1964 and raised in Mesapeake Park, Long Island with his brother Craig in an unkept 1956 home, which he lived up until he was arrested this year, okay, on First Avenue. After completing his high school education, he pursued his passion for architecture by attending the esteemed New York Institute of Technology, where he successfully earned a degree in the field. He then started his own architectural firm, RH Consultants and Associates, in 2000, and his estimated net worth is about $7 million. Now, guys, his wife did file for divorce after everything came to light about his horrendous past, so um, he's no longer married or, you know, getting divorced or whatever, but his wife's name or ex-wife's name, if they've even done the paperwork, I don't know, but her name was Asa Elrup and they had two children together. One was a son who had special needs and it is not known what's happened with them or if they've moved etc etc. I don't really have much on that one. Now, one thing before we get into his conviction, etc., I would love to go over something that just came up two days ago in the news, which was a former escort named Nicole Brass who actually went on a date with Rex. So this was per the insider. So she told them that she met him through a website similar to Backpage, which is a site for escorts, kind of like the side thing of Craigslist. Now he wanted to meet her in a hotel room near Mesapeak Park. She went on a date with him and told insider that he got so excited by talking about the case and her own narrow escape. Now Nicole Brass, who is 34, met him at a seafood place in Port Jefferson, Long Island at some time between. 2014 and 16. She said that the conversation quickly turned to true crime documentaries and Rex asked if she knew about the 11 unsolved Gilgo Beach killings. She also revealed details including another death which had not been reported on the news and that she was weirded out by how thrilled he seemed. She claimed that Rex indicated that others participated in the murders. Now after dinner he told her get in my car and invited her back to his home. Detectives believe some of the sex workers were killed at the Manhattan Architects property before being dumped on the beach. Now, recounting their date on TikTok, she said, quote, I was like, I don't feel comfortable getting in the car with you. I don't know you. And he was like almost agitated and 
angry that I wouldn't go in his car with him. And that made me even more like, I gotta get out of here. So I ended up leaving. Thank God I trusted my gut. I left when that check came. Several years later, she did tell a friend of her fiance's about the off-putting encounter. The friend, Frances Donahue, confirmed her story to the Daily News and said Rex's arrest was pretty shocking. They said, quote, to have it verified like that, that's actually a pretty amazing thing. Nicole said she never contacted the police about her suspicions because she was on parole at the time for a felony drug charge. She said, quote, I'm a felon and had a history and didn't want to get involved with the cops. I think he went after girls who were addicts or had a record or anyone less likely to talk to the police. When I saw he got arrested, I almost felt relieved, but I was also like, holy shit, I was right. She said, maybe I should have spoken to the cops, but I knew they wouldn't listen to me. Here more recently, two more sex workers came forward and told police that they had also had an encounter with Rex and they were very terrified that he was violent and aggressive and luckily neither women had suffered any injuries or anything of the sort during their encounter. And of course it all comes down to getting caught. So Rex was eventually caught and arrested in Midtown Manhattan this year, 2023, and subsequently charged with three counts of first degree murder as well as three counts of the lesser charge of second degree murder related to the deaths of Melissa, Megan, and Amber. He is also the prime suspect in the death of Maureen and he had pled not guilty. Surprise, surprise. Authorities began to seriously consider him a suspect in March 2022 after discovering that a Chevrolet Avalanche registered in his name had been linked to one of the killings by a witness. According to investigators, his cell phone records indicate he had been in contact with three of the four victims and an email account linked to him had conducted online searches of the investigation's progress. Court records also indicate that he had searched the internet for sadistic materials, child pornography, and images of the victims and their relatives. Mitochondrial DNA testing indicated he as a potential match when hair was found on the burlap wrappings of one of the bodies was compared to a sample gleaned from a pizza crust in a box he had discarded. So suck on that and your lunch. Now a potential match to his wife was also found when comparing hair found on or near three of the victims to samples taken from bottles from the trash can outside of his residence. Investigators stated that his wife and children were out of state at the time during which the killings were believed to have occurred so that was probably contact DNA like it was a hair on a shirt and he went out and accidentally left it kind of thing. So July 14, 2023 he was charged right? Now while he is not charged in the death of his other victims the court document said he is the prime suspect for like I said Maureen. Other than that they cannot connect him or have not connected him to the other potential victims. He has continued to deny his role in all of the murders and potential murders and his attorney has stated quote he's looking forward to his day in court. The press has convicted my client without seeing a shred of evidence. They can listen to the evidence and decide for themselves if they have the right guy. Now of course police should have this case in the bag due to all the DNA evidence collected against Rex and I I mean you were 
you were convicted because your DNA was on a pizza crust, sir. Like, you're not going anywhere. And you know what? I mean, that was like more than a decade ago. So they finally caught his DNA out of the trash can. They've already connected him by two forensic crime laboratories, just saying. The second lab determined that the DNA on the swab of the crust matched the DNA profile of a male hair found on the burlap sack. And it was used to restrain and transport victim Megan Waterman. So if anything, they have full-on DNA for her. And Suffolk County District Attorney Raymond A. Tyranny said today that familiar DNA was used to connect him to the other DNA evidence. So they probably do have more than just the pizza crust and the burlap sack DNA to go on. They're not going to give away their evidence, people. The court case just started literally couple months ago so stay tuned keep up with the info that's going on on the news because it's still ongoing and we're just gonna have to wait and see what the end is for him hopefully life in prison no parole I mean the man's kind of older so whatever they give him is probably gonna be a life sentence anyway so stay tuned keep your eyes peeled keep me updated that's all I got for you I hope you enjoyed today's case. Tune in again every other week, that is bi-weekly, to hear another riveting case. I'll catch you next time on a new episode of Morbid Curiosity. This is your host, Nicole, signing off.